0: Hello everybody, welcome back to the show. For anyone that is new that's listening, I am Monica Yates, the host, and I'm so excited for you guys to dive into today's episode. I recorded today's episodes with, with Kelly um a few months back, well, maybe like eight months back now, um, when I was still living in New York and this episode is full of nuggets with about sex, understanding men, spirituality, being the breadwinner, all that kind of stuff. So I really encourage you to dive in and listen closely. The audio isn't perfect. Um, I was in a glass box in New York, so unfortunately the audio wasn't as good there as it is here in Atlanta, um, but it's well worth the listen. Also, as you might know from watching my Instagram stories and from seeing my reel that I posted yesterday, so last night, I am newly engaged um, and I do have an episode coming up for you guys on December 12th about our story. It'll be a two-part episode. I wanted to give you guys the heads up so you can make sure that you keep tuning in because you will not want to miss out on hearing how it happened, I'm sure. Um, And also make sure that you're watching my Instagram stories because I'm going to be slowly over the next couple of weeks giving all the details about how it happened. I don't want to bombard everybody. So depending where you tune in will depend on what information that you get. So if you're on on my email list, you will get different information and more information than if you're on my, just my my Instagram stories. For example, if you're in the behind the scenes bubble, you will get a lot more videos than I will post in my um, Instagram stories about the whole weekend, which you definitely want to see because it was incredible. The whole planned thing and what he did for me and everything was just out of this world. So all the details for that are on my Instagram stories, so just make sure that you keep watching those so that you can tune in. And then also, I want to remind you guys that Be Eleven on a Mother and Embodiment of Dating, they are closing... Um, on December 2nd. So make sure that you have snagged your space if you would like to join, especially Be loving Not A Mother, as there are two live modules happening. And that will mean that you have time to ask me questions if you come to those live modules. So not something to miss. And then two more quick things. One, if you haven't heard about the podcast giveaway, again, make sure you're watching my Instagram stories. Basically, if you haven't already left a written review or if you have left a written review, you can grab my new audio track that is customized, like it's specially made for the podcast giveaway. So you ha- you can only get it by leaving a podcast review. You can't pay for the track. Um, and all you need to do is you need to just email support at monarchyateshealth.com with a screenshot of your written review and we will send you the audio track last thing also is that we are obviously coming up to the end of the year and i am filling up spaces for one-on-one coaching so if you would like to be a one-on-one client then i'd recommend also shooting me an email to that same email address support at monarchyateshealth.com, so we can chat make sure it's a good fit and then get you all sorted to start in january all right without further ado let's jump into the episode
1: Mm -hmm. I'm so happy to have you here. I just adore you. I think, what was it, probably eight months ago I had you on my show and I was like, damn, I love this girl. Like she is the real deal. And I said this to you then, and I'll repeat it here because I want people to really hear this. You are just no bullshit. And I respect you so much for that because I feel like there's just so much fluff and bullshit in this space of personal development and growth and love and relationships. And you're like, yo, here's the deal. This is what we're doing. This is how it goes. And I just think that that's so great. So thank you for showing up so real and authentically. Thank (laughs) you, Kelly. I appreciate it. Yeah. So something you've talked about a lot, I follow you, I listen to your show, something Mm. that I don't think enough people talk about is emasculating men. And you have taken a very bold stance on this in terms of your own life and the way you go about relationships, but also the way you're working with and coaching your clients and how we approach talking to men in relationship with them, building them up, not pushing them down, not taking over their masculine energy, making them feel less than. So how would you describe your approach to not emasculating men and where did that come from?
0: Okay, so firstly, I want to preface with saying that I used to be such a cold bitch and I was the queen of emasculation. So I really understand and I see when women, they, you know, disagree with what I'm saying or they put me down for what I'm saying. And I'm like, I used to be that. So, like, I don't, I am not phased if a woman is like, this chick's full of shit. Like, what is she talking about? Because I'm like, I would have said that about somebody when I, like, five years ago. So when I'm talking about like emasculation, And like putting men down, it's just, it's something that I see like every day in really small ways that we're unaware of. Men do it to other men, women do it to men. It's happening in the workplace. We do it to our brothers, our dad. We do it to obviously like our partners. And it really inhibits us as women from having like the best experience with being women. At the end of the day, men just wanna fucking please us, they wanna make us happy, they wanna adore us. Like chivalry is not, you know that men feel like they have to open a door. It's because they want to. It's like, they feel like it is a privilege to be in the presence of a woman, to be able to love a woman, to be in a relationship with a woman. They just, like, they just bow down to us. Like, honestly, they do. We in our brains are like, why? Because we don't think that we're that special. And when you understand that side of emasculation and how women are actually like doing this to themselves, it makes us realize- that it's kind of our fault in a way where it's not that men think less of us or that men think that we're weak or that men think we can't hold open our own door. It's women doing it to each other because we don't see our own beauty. We don't let ourselves receive. We don't think that we are worthy of that. We don't think that we're important enough for that. And when you really like dig into the whole like biology side of it, which I'm like so passionate about with like gender roles and like men and women, It's like if you play to your strengths as a woman and a man plays to his strengths as a man, you are going to be happier. You are going to feel more fulfilled. He is going to feel more fulfilled and be happier. And as a result, the world's literally just going to be a better fucking place.
1: Mm -hmm. So it's so interesting to me because as you talk about gender roles and as you talk Mm. about women and us creating this dynamic, I agree with you. Hot topic, feminism. So we think, all right, women can do anything. We can work, we can be moms, we can be partners, we can take care of the house. Okay, great. And now I'm in my masculine, I'm doing, I'm taking over, I'm in control. And I think what we have forgotten is that the ability to melt into a relationship, the ability Mm. to receive, we forget all of that because we're so constantly giving and doing. And Uh. I think we fucked ourselves over with this idea of feminism.
0: We did. And it's really funny because like the true feminists that created feminism now have released books talking about how feminism is fucked and how like none of this was actually the intention of it. Like feminism was not takeaway chivalry. Feminism was not that women now chase men. The intention, like actual fucking feminism was to create equality in rights, not equality in, you know, we have to have the exact same amount of, like, house fucking hours that we do of, like, cleaning. Not that kind of equality. Equality in we get paid the same, we both can vote. Like, just the obvious shit where it's like, yeah, duh, everybody should be able to do that because we're all humans. We can all make decisions that we have a brain. But what's happened now is we've gone to, like, radical feminism and the second wave of the Me Too movement had a really big influence on this. So we've got the second, third, fourth wave of feminism and now it's called, like, radical feminism. And basically it's this idea where – we don't need a man. And women put themselves in this own, they they put themselves in their own catch 22, right. Of like, you know, they want a relationship. They want to be with a man, but like, there's no fucking good men. All men are this, all men are dicks. I can hold up my own, own door, but where are all the good men. And I'm like, do you hear yourself? Like we are doing this to ourselves and the media exacerbates it, right? Because the media exacerbates the idea that if you want to be a stay-at-home mom, you're weak. You're not a girl boss. And the media basically shines a light on, like, women are killing it if they're a girl boss making millions. They're juggling all of these things. We idolize that now. But I always say, like, in my book, I'm actually writing a whole chapter on how the girl boss movement is fucked. I can't remember what the title is, but basically I just talk about how, like, the girl boss movement has done a lot of harm because. It's meant that women that want to just be a stay-at-home mom or that want to work part-time or that don't want to run an empire, they feel like they're not as successful or they're not killing it if they aren't being a girl boss and that it's you know you're you're killing it as a woman if you are running a big empire and making millions. And then, like, what about the fucking men? Like, where is their praise for working hard? They always will work hard. It is in their fucking bones. At the end of the day, the weight always falls on them to be the provider and the protector. No matter how much feminism crap we go into, it still falls on them. And they will always still feel that pressure because that's their testosterone and their masculinity. Like, as soon as, you know, as soon as a man becomes a father, it doesn't matter what the fucking woman says. He feels all the pressure to provide and protect. Well, where's the fucking boy boss movement? Where is... Where, where are we praising the men for doing hard work? Like if you want to talk about equality, like, all right, let's make it fucking equality then. Like if we want to go on the fucking woman page of all this female empowerment to create equality, well, what about the other side? And women then argue, well, they've had, well, men have had that for years. And then I bring in the, okay, well, why is the suicide rate three point something times higher for men? It's probably going up anyway with COVID. Why are more men killing themselves than women? Like why, Are more men dropping out of school? Why are there less men in universities these days? Tell me that and then tell me that, you know, women's empowerment is still more important than empowering men because the mental health crisis, that is predominantly men because women will go and talk to other women. We will go and get help. Whereas men now feel like they can't do that. They feel, they already feel, the problem is they already feel shame about being a man these days because all men are this. All men are that. All men are predators. They're so confused of what is their purpose as a man in today's society. It's just constant confusion for them all the time. I hear about it like constantly from guy friends. From all the research that I've done, I've done like a lot of research for my book um, with like sending out surveys, and men are just really confused, and it's very exhausting. And it's like no wonder they're all struggling with their. Or most of them are struggling with their mental health because they don't know where the fuck they stand. They've lost their purpose and men need a purpose in society. So I say, I say that I'm not a feminist. Obviously I'm a fucking feminist by definition, but these days a feminist is someone that is like, I don't need no man. You know, I can ask a man out on a date. I can chase a man like, it's, it's just like, there's no polarity and I'm all about the fucking polarity. I am happier when I am being pursued, wooed, chased, devoured, desired. And my man is happier when he is doing that and being the fucking man. So I will stand by that till the day I die because I mean, I can't not stand by it. I've had thousands, tens of thousands, I mean, probably hundreds of thousands with my podcast of women message me and tell me and see these results. I've had men like husbands message me be like, Thank you for this and marriages be saved and women be happy again and whatnot because they either admitted to themselves their true desires as a woman or that their relationship was healed because they stepped into their feminine and got out of their masculine. As a result, he felt more on purpose, like whatever, the obvious things. And I'm like, the social proof that I have is the proof that what we're being fed and taught is a pile of shit. But what it, what it's doing is like, it's a great way to just, just cause destruction right in society. It's a great way for us all to lose our um, own inner compass. We don't listen to our truth. We don't allow ourselves to admit our true desires. And instead we like follow the rules that somebody else is giving us, which just creates like more disharmony, more mental health issues, more people being out of alignment, more dis-ease like on a physical sense as well, because obviously all the emotional, you know, um, shit turns into physical shit. And you know, they end up winning. It's great. It's a great way to make more money, basically.
1: Yeah. Well, it's so interesting as you're talking, I'm just thinking this is just another version of segregation. We're just mm-hmm. separating men and women. Again, we're pitting people against each other. Correct. And I think about like, I've experienced sexual assault and mm-hmm. I know some really shitty men in my life.
0: For oh, sure. I mean, me too. Like I also, yeah. yeah, I say that of like, don't assume that I haven't experienced what majority of other women have experienced. I've experienced all those situations that you think I probably haven't experienced. And I'm still saying this. I'm not saying every man is good. Just like there are really bad women. Like there was a guy on the street the other day, I was walking the dogs and he was literally, I mean, obviously he was, I'm assuming he was on drugs and he was literally screaming to everybody like very intensely that he's going to kill us all, stab us all. I'm going to slit your throat. Like, I mean, I see that. Like, I understand that there are really shitty, scary men. And I still stand by this because the general population of men, just like the general population of women are really good people and they have good hearts Mm -hmm. and good intentions.
1: Yes. And that's exactly what I was going to say. I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's like, And I mean, you do a lot of trauma work and healing with your clients. Mm -hmm. I see the same thing. I've gone through somatic therapy. I've been in talk therapy for years. I've been working through the assault and feeling bad about myself and men gawking Mm -hmm. at me and blah, blah, blah for so long that it's just not an issue for me anymore. It doesn't Mm -hmm. even phase me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm able to see the truth of who men are. And the amazing men that I encounter on a daily basis who are good people. And so I think that's a really big part of this is deconstructing what we're being told every single day, especially if you're someone who watches the news and picks up on all the negativity. That's all you see is people raping people, killing people, running cars into people. Like, that's what we're seeing. We're not seeing all the amazing things like you have to actually seek that out. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a huge part of this is. I feel like women are, and this is not where I thought this conversation was going to go, but I do feel like women are just picking men apart and attacking them based on what we're seeing, you know, in the news that is so overly done. When in reality, that may not be our day to day. That may not be the experiences that we're having. And we have to get really honest with ourselves Mm -hmm. about the bullshit that we're spewing at them and how bad we're making them feel about themselves. And now you're right. They're fucking scared. They're scared <laughs> Exactly. Of
0: and that's the problem of like, we are creating the situation because like, when you understand men, like shaming a man doesn't make him want to change is the problem. So women, when you shame another woman, because of our inherent need to have approval and community, she will go, fuck, I can't be rejected. I'm going to change. Even if she doesn't want to do it, she'll go change. So when a woman then, so we think that if we do the same thing to a man, it's going to happen. Like if we were shamed, that's not what happens because men are different. So if you shame a man, what happens is you emasculate him. He goes into his fucking turtle shell and it doesn't motivate him to change. Instead, he feels less than, and he goes into like a hole because you, he loses his masculinity. So then what happens is we have men that aren't chivalrous That aren't protecting women that aren't showing up because they're suppressed, right? And suppression doesn't mean that you've stripped away, you know, their anger and then all of a sudden they're going to be like these, you know, soft men that are going to do whatever you say. Suppression is it's still there. It's just suppressed. And unfortunately, it will come out in an unhealthy scenario. And then it fits the story of men are dangerous, But if you look at it, it's like, yeah, well, when you suppress somebody enough, it's going to fucking come out one way or the other. If you shake a bottle of champagne enough, it's going to fucking explode. So then it explodes. And more often than not, it's going to explode with like blackout rage. And when you understand blackout rage, it's a full on trauma response. It's not someone, not someone consciously being angry. It's like you have hit a nerve and literally blackout rage is exactly as it sounds. Their brain blacks it out. They don't remember it right? They don't remember it. It wasn't like there wasn't acting from their heart. They didn't want to act like that. And a really good example is um, in Australia, there's a culture of something called the one punch hit. And basically it started in Sydney. I don't know whether you've heard about it, but it started in Mm -hmm. Sydney where basically like, you know, Australian, the Australian culture is suppress everything very much like the British culture, especially for men, suppress all your emotions, like be a man, suck it up, don't feel anything. But then what happens is we also have a heavy drinking culture. So it started in this place called King's Cross near the city in Sydney. And basically, if you don't know this, if you hit someone in the head in the right spot and hard enough, you'll kill them. So the one punch hit was that these men would get really drunk and someone would piss them off and just piss them off just enough that they, all they had to do was swing a hit and they would kill somebody by accident. And it's like these men are then get put in jail or whatever for the rest of their lives and it's horrible because I guarantee you most of those men had no intention to hurt anybody. It was a pile of suppressed emotion over a long period of time. You caught them on a bad day at a bad time. And unfortunately they hit that person in the wrong spot and their whole life has changed forever. And it's just like, I was saying this on our podcast yesterday of imagine if we taught our boys and our young men where to go release anger in a healthy way. What if we didn't tell them to change but instead, we learn to understand men and understand that they will always have more anger than women will. And therefore, they need to let that be released in a healthy way. Don't suppress it. Like, let yourself feel it. I'm all about fucking feeling it. Go to a rage room. Like, I don't know, depending on where you live in America, go to a fucking gun range thing and shoot guns. Go to, you know, go chop a pile of wood. Go to a boxing class or go whatever whatever you need to do. I don't care. But go and release the anger in a healthy way. And if we celebrated that and just like, not necessarily celebrate it, but if we just let men be men more, there would be more healthy masculinity. Men would actually show up better because they would be showing up in their full versions of themselves. And therefore we would actually feel safer as women in society. I recently did a podcast actually, and the title was um, feminine men don't make society safer. Masculine men do. And it's this whole thing on the news and just That's being run through our society of if we need to like, you know, make men more feminine because that's going to make us as women feel safer. And I'm like, no, the opposite is true. Because if we don't feel like men have our back and are protecting us, why would you feel safe walking down the street at night? You wouldn't. But if you were walking down the street at night, knowing that 95% of the men on the street would run to you if something happened, you would feel 10 times safer as a woman. But the reality is like, shit happens now, like in public and men don't come up and help you because they're like, can I like, oh, will she chop my balls off? Like, am I then, you know, being a misogynist? And it's like, it's very confusing for men because like I'm someone and you'd be someone, Kelly, where I'm like, yes, please come help me. But they don't know that. So it's just, they, we put them in this constant state of confusion. And then women are complaining when it comes to dating and relationships about like, there are no good men. Men don't ask me out. They're not chivalrous anymore. And I'm like, and you are asking me that because why like why are you surprised like literally tell me why are you surprised
1: (laughs) yeah no it's so true (laughs)
0: Quickly interrupting the episode, friends, to remind you that Be a Love and a Mother is open again for the last time of 2022. And I am recording modules three and four live. So these are going to be re recordings. So as soon as you join Be a Love and a Mother, you can tune into all the content and all the current modules. There is already a module three and four, all the way, it goes all the way up to module six. But I'm updating modules three and four with a sexier background. Because, like, why not? I updated modules one and two earlier this year, in the middle of the year. Um, just to give it a little bit of a, a little refresh, a little pick me up. Um, and I'm doing modules three and four now in December. So you can bring your questions for these live calls um, for the updated modules for three and four. And once they are recorded, they'll be loaded into the portal. So if you can't come to the live calls, it's fine. Um, but if you can come to the live calls, obviously it's fun. And then you can ask your questions as well in those live calls. So that is the most updated information for the Be Love and Not A Mother that is opening right now for the last time, 2022. Too. And I really want you guys to understand with Be A Love, Not A Mother, Be A Love, on A Mother, it will help you to learn how to not emasculate men and how to allow the men in your life to show up as their best selves. You're going to learn how to communicate with men, how to understand what the fuck they mean when they say things or when they do things, and of course, how to be in the best relationships with them, both in a platonic situation and also in a romantic situation i made be a love and not a mother back in 2020 um when I was really realizing that so many women needed support around this area because they didn't understand men and they didn't understand how to behave in a way that allowed men to be the, their most masculine selves. So if you are wanting to learn how to be more in your feminine so that uh, the men in your life can lead both in your platonic relationships and romantic relationships, I would really encourage you to join Be Beloved Not A Mother. It is going to help you literally in your romantic life as well as with your relation, as well as in your relationship with your son and your male colleagues. So all the details are below and let's jump back into the episode.
1: I want to talk about processing for a second because Mm -hmm. this is something that I've learned with Connor and I really had to call myself out on this. I was so confused and frustrated by his processing because it is Mm -hmm. so different than mine and he is very much avoid an attachment. I'm anxious. He wants space. (laughs) He doesn't want to talk. He wants to go shoot guns and Mm -hmm. climb up a mountain. Mm -hmm. I want to be held and talk through my emotion. Yeah. Yeah. And I would get so, when we really did this to each other, we would get so upset with each other because it's like, you're not processing the way I want you to process. Mm -hmm. And it's not like me. So now I'm confused. And now we're just arguing with each other when we really just need to be able to be supported in our own processing. I think that's another form of emasculation is like, you're wrong for your processing. What is wrong with you? Why can't you figure it out? When in reality, I just need to let him have some fucking space.
0: Correct. And women do this to men all the time because we treat men as though they're women. And this is why I'm like, if you understand men, not only is it going to be helpful for the men in your relationships, it's going to be helpful for you because you won't get in your head about why is he, you know, not doing this? Or why is he saying this to me? Or why is he gone quiet? You'll be like, oh, he's doing X, Y, and Z. Because you fully understand exactly how men operate. So yeah, when it comes to processing, it's like women, we we feel safe with connection, which is why, and and, and talking and communication, which is why if you're in a car and with your boyfriend, partner, whatever, husband, and it's silent, you'll be like, what's wrong? And he'll be like, nothing's wrong, like, but it's silent. Like your brain, literally, like we all like are like, fuck, yes.
1: You're your like, brain eh, is a woman. Eh, eh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> your brain as a woman thinks something is wrong because there's no talking involved. Like if you go out with your girlfriends, you're all talking. And if there's silence, there's something wrong. You go see boys, go hang out. Is there a bunch of talking? No. There's just beer, silence, and maybe a footy game on. And you're like, how are you guys connecting? It's like I've asked this to men so many times when I watch them do this, because I'm obviously just like always watching men and very curious. And they literally, I cannot tell you the amount of times men have said, we don't need to talk. Like we can just sit here and I'm like, what? like what you don't need to talk. <laughs> but like, and I'm like, but aren't you meant to be catching up? And they're like, yeah, we've asked how the fiance is. The kids are work. They're all good. Great. Okay. Let's watch the game. Like that's all they need to know. And it's so fascinating. And, but when it comes to like processing men need space, women need talking So we process via like communication, which is why a lot of women will pick up the phone to girlfriends and vent. And well, we will feel better after venting. This is also why, especially when it comes to men doing any men's work, I'm like, I am a hard fucking note when it comes to therapy because like talk therapy, because I'm like, men do not process via talking. It does not do what it does for us. Women can process to an extent about talking, like depending obviously on the extent of things. And you and I are still very much like the somatic shits where it's at. But with men, I'm like, no, they don't want to talk because they've pro- they're have logical beings. They've already gone through it all in their head. They've done the talking with themselves, but it's all held in their body and they need to have permission to go and release that from their body. Like we will, we w- we're better at doing that, right? We'll go cry. We'll go like have a tantrum, whatever the situation is, hug our dogs and be a victim for a moment. Guys don't do that. They just suppress it. But if they were told like, hey, why don't you go and like shoot guns or go hunting or go climb a mountain or go to a rage room or like break some plates and just like let it all out, I guarantee you every man would be like, wait, really? Like I'm allowed to do that? And he would feel 10 times better because he has been allowed to fully fucking get angry. And you're not seeing that as something to get scared about because he's not getting angry at you. Like I actually am more like, I get worried if you're not getting angry at something else. Like if you're not releasing your anger somewhere, that worries me because I'm like, I don't want it to come out in an unhealthy way, whether it's at me, whether it's at work, whether it's a family member, whether it's you just having an explosion when you're driving the car, it's like, you need to, like you, we always need to give men. And I think we need to give men more permission than we think because of the way societal conditioning is to have space to go and release however that looks. And when you tell a man like go have space, yes, go process, like go have time by yourself, that makes him fall more in love with you, be more obsessed with you because he's like, wait, there's no pressure. Like I can just go and do me. And men really do feel so much pressure to like be enough for us and be perfect for us because they just want to make us happy. So when you can make it clear, like what would make me happy is you going and feeling this and processing this he is 10 times more likely to do that and do it well because he knows it's actually going to benefit you at the same time. So yeah, men need space to process. They do not process via talking like we do. I mean, some men, I would say really empathetic men and I'm with a very empathetic man, definitely loves to talk to be able to like help with like logical mind thinking and then needs to go have silence and process by himself in space. And so allowing that is really important because if you don't, you do emasculate of like, you are wrong for being a man and doing it, doing things a man way. And like, this is the way to do it. Like being more like a woman basically is what you're saying is how it should be done. And your way of doing things like a man is wrong. And essentially when you do that, you make him feel wrong for being a man
1: hmm And what I've noticed, which I think is hilarious, the first few times when I started to realize like, okay, give him space, like emotional space, physical space. I would like sit across the room on a chair. He would be on the couch and I would, I would make sure I wasn't standing because that makes him feel awful. He hates being talked down to like I'm his mother. Mm-hmm. So I made all these changes and then he'd be like, what are you doing? What's wrong? <laughs> I'm like, I'm giving you space. <laughs> And then the argument would almost be over immediately because he really just wanted me to acknowledge that he needed space. Mm. He wouldn't even need to take the space sometimes because he's like, I just need to be acknowledged for what I need and that you're listening to me and hearing me and I'm okay now. It's so funny. It's like they almost just, they need it on the table. They need that acknowledgement, whether or not something happens from it.
0: Yes, no, agree. And I mean, even as women, like everyone needs space. And I think that whether you're a man or a woman, I think it's really healthy in any relationship to allow space because it helps you to stop being so reactive. You kind of cool yourself down, especially if you're a double, triple, single fire sign. Like we all need to sometimes cool down and not be in this reactive state. And you know, depending where you live, it's very like if you live in a big city especially or if you have an intense job, if your nervous system is wired and jacked all the time, you're going to be in more of a reactive state. So I really had to train myself cuz I used to be like really reactive where it's like when something's happening I will actually be like, you know what? I want to process this first before we talk about it so that I can make sure that like I've actually thought about this. I'm saying the right things. Because sometimes and like it's in the right energy and it's calm and it's not gonna be like really heavily emotional. Because sometimes when you let yourself just process and take time and not say anything, then the day later you're like, actually, I don't really care. It's not really a big deal. And then Mm -hmm. you can move on and you actually haven't had to then go through that situation where like a TIFF really could have been avoided because you just actually needed time to be honest with yourself of like you were expecting way too much or you know you were at, like sometimes I'll do that and I'm like oh wow I was actually just really overtired like nothing was fucking wrong I was just overtired and I just needed to have a good sleep and now I'm like whatever
1: mm-hmm. I 100% agree I feel like we have these knockout brawl fights and then I realized what was actually bothering me three quarters of the way through but I'm like fuck yeah. I'm so knee deep in this how do yeah. I get out now <laughs> 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 he's so pissed at me i'm fucked <laughs> i love yeah, it I love process it. first then have the conversation Yes. okay so yes. i would love to hear from you what are the, some of the main reasons or ways you see women emasculating men like the little things okay. that maybe we don't even notice
0: all right little things would be interrupting men really big one not letting a man take time to respond So for example, if you say, and this is a really good one, even for people with like boys as in like sons, is if you say to a man or a boy, like, how was your day? What did you do at school today? What did you do at work today? And they don't respond within two seconds. You're like, hello, what did you do at school today? And you've cut off their thought process because the way that our brains are, because we have so much estrogen in our system, just think of it like there's two little guys in the head and they talk to each other really, really, really quickly. So it's like point A to point B really quickly. Then we talk. We don't need time to actually think about the answer. We just blurt it out, which is why one minute we want Mexican for dinner. The next we want Italian. One minute we're feeling this. Then we're like, actually, I don't want to do this. Can we go elsewhere? And we just jump around and men are like, oh my God, I can't keep up with you. It's because of estrogen and our brain being flooded by estrogen. Men don't have that. So what happens is when you ask a question and because men are committed beings Naturally, with their like hormonal profile and just being as a masculine um, person, is that they will really think before they answer. So you might ask like, "How was work today? How was school today, or whatever?" And then you have to pause, like stop, and let him think and think. And literally, I've said to clients, "Sit there in silence. Like, if you want to fucking answer from a man, sit there in silence once you've asked the question for literally up to half an hour, because that's how long it might take him." To really think about the answer because in his brain, he's not just going to give you any answer. Like we just give any fucking answer. Our brains are like, whatever, because we can change our mind in five seconds. Men are like, no, I have to make sure this is the right answer to give her. So I'm going to really, really think about this. And like, even if, for example, you say to your son, or your partner, like... Like, let me know later today what you did at work. I'd love to know what you did at school. He might come to you three hours later and be like, so what I did at work was blah, blah, blah. What I did at school, blah, blah. And you're like, well, where'd this come from? And Where it came from is just like before he had space to think about it and didn't feel pressure because the pressure then shuts them down and it stops their thought process. So like interrupting and not letting a man have thinking time to answer your question is a really big one. Like allow silence. Remember women get freaked out by silence. Nothing is wrong. They are connecting with us. Nothing is fucking wrong. Another one I would also say really simple in even a, a non-romantic way is let a man hold open a fucking door. I will not hold open my own door. Sometimes I'll just stand there and wait. If he's like on the phone or something and he's forgotten, I'll just stand there and wait. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like the door. Like, I'm like, I do not hold open my own door and you can kind of make it funny sometimes, right? Like yeah. if you want to be a bit cheeky about it, I think it's fun to be cheeky about it because it is like a constant reminder and men Men like work. They don't want an easy, boring relationship. They actually like to feel like they have to chase and they have to work at the relationship. So it's not a bad thing to be cheeky sometimes and be like chivalry, like, because it keeps them on their toes That like, they can't all of a sudden become lazy men. They have to show up all the time. And they like that. They like to feel like there is a challenge and they have a purpose. If the relationship gets lazy and boring, they're going to get lazy and boring in their relationship. So kind of like keep them on their toes a little bit not in a game playing way, but in a, like a cheeky, fun way. So let a man hold open your door. I will always get out of the elevator first. I will let a man hold open the elevator. Like I will, like a stranger, I'll let a stranger hold open the door for me. Like all the things. I will never say I've got it myself. I can do it myself. I will always accept help, even from a guy I don't know, because I guarantee you that you've made his day. Another example of like a way that we emasculate men is like not, uh, what's the word? I'm going to say being a partner, that's not the right word, not supporting their goals and their career and their purpose, like making them wrong for putting their job or their purpose in front of us sometimes. Like if a man fucking loves you, you're going to be quote unquote number one. But the reality is like, technically speaking, their purpose is actually going to be number one. So, you know, if you make him wrong for having to stay work to stay late at work one day, or you make him wrong for working a lot or you make him wrong for, you know, I don't know, having to take a call for an important meeting on a weekend, you just emasculated him because he is he is not working just for himself. He's working for you, for the, your future, for the future of your children, all that kind of stuff. So when you make him wrong for that, he then feels real, like he feels less than as a man. He feels like he's failing you. And men never want to feel like they're failing you. So I would mm-hmm. say they are some of like the top the top ones in the way that women emasculate men. Yeah.
1: I love those. I'm, I mean, I resonate with all of those. I've experienced and been the bitch on the other side of many of those. (laughs)
0: friends. I'm just quickly interrupting the episode to remind you that as we are coming to the end of the year, I have my New Year's Eve bundle that is available. This is a new thing that I'm going to be doing. And I i guess I think I'll do it next year. Um, there's already been a heap of you that have snagged a space with the Black Friday deal for the New Year's Eve bundle. And I'm really excited to be doing this. So everything that you need to know is on the link below for the New Year's Eve bundle. If you feel the pull, click that link and have a quick scroll um, through the page. I'm not going to even go into the details now because you can do that below and I want you guys to get back the episode and then the last thing also is to make sure that you have locked in a one-on-one coaching space with me for next year if you would like to be a one-on-one client for working on absolutely anything again my one-on-one coaching page I'm also going to put below
1: so that you can check that out if you would like to I'm so curious if you think again we're talkers right like we want to go to our man and explain all the things and be like Babe, I was listening to Monica and Kelly, and I realized that I've been emasculating you for the last seven years, and I want to change these things. And now I'd like for you to hold the door open for me, and I would Mm -hmm. like for you to do this and blah, blah, blah. Do we go about it that way? Or do we go about it energetically and shifting in that way, showing up differently to the relationship Mm -hmm. and then allowing ourselves to receive? And then the man, you know, alters or shifts in his own energy in response to that.
0: Yeah, I would say both because I've seen it, it when I think both are needed. Like I've seen clients who they have just done all the trauma work and all the feminine embodiment work. And then it's like, oh, I'm coming home to baths being grown and flowers. And they're like, what the fuck? I've never mentioned this before because the man feels the energetic change. More often than not, he also knows that she's doing this program. So it's like a little bit of like the seed's been planted. But then I, was, so I would say doing the energetic stuff is really important because even if you ask him to hold open the door, like, can you even receive it? Or are you going to forget all the time or, you know, whatever situation is. So that's really important on your end. But then it's also really important for you to give him permission to do those things. And a lot of men feel, especially if you've been emasculating him or been in a really depolarized relationship for a long time, you know, we could have this expectation of shit's going to change overnight, but you actually need to also give him permission to make those changes. Especially when it comes like women always ask me like, okay, well, what about dating a guy in the beginning? How do I get him to be really aware that like, I want these things, tell him, just give him permission. Like I used to just be like, Hey, I mean with my job it was a bit easier, but I would also just be like, Hey, by the way, just so you know. I'm the kind of woman, I'm not the kind of woman that is like, I'm an independent woman. I can hold over my own door. I'm the kind of woman where I like flowers and my, the door to be held open to me and for you to be the man and me be the woman. I've never had a man be like, what the fuck? I've had every single time I've had that to a man, they're like, oh my God, thank you. Every single time when I tell them about like my book or like whatever I do, the 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 face of these men, it almost breaks my heart because it's like- oh my God, finally, someone's talking about this because I'm feeling trapped in like, I can't be my full self as a man. So the permission piece is really important. So yes, tell your partner as well. Like, hey, babe, I always say like, blame it on me. I was listening to Monica and Kelly on the podcast and they were talking about all this stuff and I realized I've been emasculating you. Firstly, fucking take ownership and apologize. But like, I've realized the last seven years, this is all the things I've been doing. It's probably a shitload more that I'm not even aware of please make me aware because I actually want to change and give him permission to call you out when you do it, because you need to learn. I guarantee you the majority of ways that you're doing it. You're not aware that you're doing it. And I'm always learning. I say to my boyfriend as well, like, you know, he knows he can tell me and he's told me a few times before, like that was kind of emasculating. And I'm like, shit, wait, I didn't know that. Can you tell me why that was? Like I want to know why that was because obviously like for my work. And so I make sure I don't do it again. And then I explained to him like what I actually meant and, and that kind of stuff, because often it can just be interpreted the wrong way and communicated the wrong way. So yeah, say that you're listening to the podcast, you've been realizing you've been doing all these things. Please tell me any other things that I've been doing so that I can learn. And I want to really actively stop emasculating you. So what I'm going to need is men love to know what you need. What I'm going to need is for you to tell me from now on when I emasculate you and to be patient as I change my behavior. Because obviously, I've been doing this and I've created a habit for myself over the last X amount of years. And I would love, not you must or you have to, I would love to let you start being the man again. I would love to let you lead. I would love for you to book the dates. I would love for you to hold open the door. I would love for you to buy me flowers. I would love for you to send me random texts throughout the day. I would love for you to plan the holiday. And I'm really actively going to try to release control. I'm going to tell you when I feel like I need to let you know, like, I really want to stay at this hotel. Please make sure you book it. Don't book somewhere else. But then I'm going to let you actually make the, like, I'm actually going to let you execute on that. And I do on that note as well, I will say this isn't that you don't get a say in things. This is not about you have no choice in the relationship or whatever. Like, you know, I'm like, I want to stay at these hotels. Right. But then I won't then make the booking. Like my name's never on the booking. I might send him the hotel name or tell him I want to stay here. For example, I want to go to this restaurant, but he'll do all the execution. And it's fun because he knows that he's going to make me really happy because we're staying at a hotel I want. So he immediately is like, yes, let me fucking execute on this. I know she's going to be happy about it. I'm really excited to stay at the hotel and have all my feminine needs of aesthetic beauty being met, but he's executed on it. So he feels like he's been the one to do it. And you get to just be in the fun, like creative. I want to stay here and here and here and here and be in that dream state. So it's not that you don't have a choice in your relationship or that you don't get a say in things. That's not what it's about. It's about you letting him lead in the areas where you want to be led. And it's about just letting him have more of a say as a man. Like, you shouldn't be the one wearing the pants because you will fuck the polarity. Like, if you want hotter sex, I guarantee you it's starting in, like, your day-to-day situations. It's not starting in the bedroom. Like, that hot sex is a result of how the day is planned out and the polarity, generally speaking, in a relationship.
1: Mm -hmm. So tell me how it affects things when you're not in necessarily a traditional relationship. So like Connor and I, I am the breadwinner. Mm -hmm. I run our company Mm -hmm. and he is more of the support Mm -hmm. and does all of his own stuff, but it's very... I'm eating my microphone. Love it. Um, <laughs> that's very much our dynamic, which mm-hmm. also causes issues because I tend to have a lot of power in decision making mm-hmm. within the relationship because of how our lives work. Mm-hmm. So how does that affect things?
0: I love this question because a lot of women are in this situation these days, right? A lot of women have become the breadwinners. And let's not beat around the bush. Like money is a really big source of that energy of providing and protecting So there are many other ways for him to provide and protect and I'll go through them in a second, but I do also firstly want to honor that like, yes, money is a really big way in which a man is providing. What I love to do and I say to my clients as well is like, I think it's great if he provides in the necessities. Like when you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like food, water, shelter, can he provide in those areas? Because biologically your brain is like relaxed knowing that like you will be fed, you will be housed and there will be water always around for you. And that doesn't weigh on you. Like you don't need to worry about those basic necessities. And then you get to have all the fun with like booking the fancy hotels, paying for the extravagant dates, you know, like flying across the world in first class. Like you get to pay, you get to use your money in the fun, feminine ways. And they get to like do the masculine things. Like, I'm sorry, paying for like insurance, I'm not fucking doing that. But like men will be like, no, I like to pay for insurance. Like, I think it's really important. And I'm like, wait, what? Like my stomach churns just thinking (laughs) about that. I'm like, okay, great. You can pay for insurance because I'm not fucking paying for that. But like, it's really interesting that men actually will want to pay for those like basic necessities because they do also feel like they are fulfilling that role of like, I am providing and I am protecting because I am the one putting the food on the table. So I think that's a really good way for a lot of, Couples to go about it if the if the woman is the breadwinner of like okay well you know can he pay for the groceries can he pay for the rent or can he at least be you know contributing a good chunk to it so that you don't feel like all the pressure is on you and also I mean I'm always a big believer and this is just really important and I know for myself of like if you have a really open relationship with your finances it's gonna feel a lot easier if you know that like if shit hit the fan he's got money to like look after you guys and maybe you can't live in like you know, a $10 million house, but you know, you'd be fucking fine. You're going to feel like things are okay and that you can stay in that fun energy of creating and and working on your business. And then also thinking about like, how does he support you in ways that you just like would not want to fucking deal with shit yourself in the way of like, I don't want to fucking do finances in my business. I don't want to fucking deal with operation stuff. Maybe Kelly, like you don't want to deal with that shit. Maybe it's like, I don't want to fucking organize like, you know, car insurance or like registration or like, you know tax stuff for us like i don't want to have to worry about any of that stuff i i find it easy to be able to just work in my flow i can make heaps of money and then it's so nice to know that i don't have to worry about any of those yucky admin things because he takes care of all of that like that can make you feel really really taken care of so it's about you figuring out like what are the things that cause you stress honestly if you got those things taken off your plate of things that cause you stress and for a lot of women it's like sticky finance things, logistical things, like all of those things I like have had on my to-do list for way too long. So it feels so nice when he's organizing those things, right? When he's helping with those things, because I know that I'm actually being provided for and protected and looked after in a way that like, I wouldn't be able to give that to myself. Like I do not understand like fucking, I don't know, mortgages as well as he does. So for him to be able to Organize that, it makes me feel like, great, I can just like work and be in my creative flow. And then, like, he can deal with that. So, think about the ways that he can provide for you and give you that feeling of I'm being looked after in ways besides just bringing in heaps of cash. Because the reality is, he could bring in fucking millions. But if he doesn't know how to change a tire, he doesn't know how to organize house insurance, he doesn't want to fucking do the budget, he doesn't want to like whatever X, Y, and Z, you aren't going to feel looked after and protected for and provided for like that energy can be separate to money. And I'm not going to say it fixes it a hundred percent, but where I do feel like it fixes it to 99% is when there is a lot of openness about finances. So when he knows your full finances and almost comes into like, you know, like, your finances are shit, obviously. Like, and you're married, Kelly. So like, you know, I would assume that your finances are quote unquote shit, right? Yeah. So I think personally it's fucking sexy when it's like, okay, well, technically I've made the money, but like, you're the one that like organizes it, knows where it is. It's like, babe, you can a hundred percent spend this. Like this money should go here. Let's invest this here. I'm like, great. You organize it. I'll just make it. Because like, and i talk talked to other women that are in the same situation with like being the breadwinner and we find it so sexy of like, oh wait, so all I have to do is like make money. And then like, it gets organized for me. And like it gets invested in places and then it makes 10 times more. Fucking great. It is so easy for me to be in my creative flow, for me to create content, for me to do my job. It's easy for me to make money where I block myself and my creative flow is all the logistical heavy things that stress me out. So if he takes all that off your plate, think of how much better it's going to feel and how much easier it's going to feel. And I think personally It is easier when like he has a bit of control over the money, not in the way of like you can't spend that, but in the way of you feel actually safer with your money as a couple because you understand the cash flow of it, because he's organizing all of that, if that makes sense. Because if he even if he's making millions, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily spending it or that you get to even receive it. Like there are people in other situations, right, where like the guy's making the millions, but there's no openness about the finances. There's no transparency and you feel like you don't get much of it and you actually can feel a lot of scarcity about it. So like anything, the energy that you bring to the relationship about money is absolutely everything. And like, I know for me, I had to really figure out, okay, what makes me feel like scarce when it comes to, well, not scarce, what makes me feel stressed when it comes to making money right now in my relationship? And what I realized was when there is a lot going on logistically in our personal life and in the business that hasn't been taken care of, I can't be in my creative flow. Then I get stressed out because I'm not making as much money and I'm not in my flow. Then I go, oh my God, I'm making less money. Then I feel the pressure of I'm the one that has to provide and protect. That's where the problem comes in. But if he takes all that pressure off me, And I just get to like bring the money in. I don't feel the pressure of I have to be the provider because there's nothing that's stressing me out to make my brain go into that scarcity mode, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think that's that's so well said. I love all of that. So I want to finish up here because you found your dream man. I did. Who's a I little really mystery did. on Instagram? Yeah, I, I You're loving I, that.
0: I, I need to add you to my close friends because he's not on my close friends. Oh, okay. I need to add you to that. Actually, yeah. No, okay, I'm. Good. So I'm gonna cut us here for the end of the episode. Because like I said in the beginning of this episode, I'm actually newly engaged to this dream man. And on December 12th, there is an episode coming out all about our relationship, how we met, just the whole kind of timeline of everything, um, all the details that you guys want to know. And then there will be a part two about anything that I don't get to finish in that part one. So I'm going to leave the episode there. I hope that you guys absolutely loved what Kelly and I spoke about and got lots of juicy nuggets out of the episode. Do not forget to send me an email about one-on-one coaching if you would like to be a client of mine for next year. And then also make sure that you have left your review below and sent us a screenshot of your written review so that we can send you over that meditation track that is special. All just for those of you listening to the podcast. Have a lovely rest of your day and I will see you guys next Monday in the next episode.